1: The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. I have a phrase that I throw out from time to time when I'm going to say something that is uh, pretty obvious. Uh, true story. Stop me if you've heard it. Joe Biden has his State of the Union address tomorrow night, and true story, stop me if you've heard it, mask requirements are being relaxed all over the United States, including locally, here in schools, Hilliard, Dublin, Tangy. big districts, said over the weekend that masks are no longer required on school buses. Following updated guidance from the CDC. Oh, true story. Stop me if you've heard it. The CDC has amended its guidelines. And I'm sure that Joe Biden's impending State of the Union address had absolutely nothing to do with that. This is great news, but not. Not to Dr. Joseph Gastaldo, an infectious disease specialist with Ohio Health. Here's the quote from Dr. Gastaldo: Children are low risk. That is true you know what's coming next. But low risk is not zero risk. And in the study of the Omicron variant, we actually had more children get infections with more hospitalizations and more deaths. Huh? I don't want to say this guy's wrong because he's obviously a doctor and I'm not. But how many more hospitalizations and how many more deaths... And where? Because we've been told the kids have to wear masks. It's a binary decision. Either you wear masks or you die. You wear masks or grandma dies. You wear masks. No, we're not going to talk about impact on psychological, developmental parts of children. No, it's a binary decision. You wear masks or you die. More hospitalizations where? Columbus? At Ohio Health? More deaths where? I haven't read about it. I would think, even though they're not very good at what they do, I acknowledge this, the Columbus Dispatch, not very good at what it does. But, but, I would think if we had scores of school children across central Ohio hospitalized and dying from Omicron, I'm guessing they'd shake somebody free at the Dispatch and they'd do a story on that. It would probably be Trump's fault. It would be if Haley B. Miller wrote it. But at any rate, we would have a story on it. I have not seen that story, and I look at their website every day. See, I take one for the team on your behalf, so you don't have to. Uh, Gustaldo says, while we are expecting a lull in cases with warmer months ahead, notice how Dr. Gustaldo takes good news and urinates all over it, pretty much. Children are at low risk. That is true. That's good news, Dr. Gustaldo. Cheer up. Instead, he goes, but low risk is not zero risk. I know it's his game. I get it. But still, man, come on, dude. Two years, not enough. Two years, not enough. Like, take the victory lap. Smell the roses, please. Costaldo said, while we're expecting a lull in cases with warmer months ahead. Yay. Oh, not so fast. The virus is still very present in the community. The virus is still out there. And I hope we are. Listen to this. I hope we are not going back to a pre-COVID way of doing things in schools. I'm guessing Dr. Gustaldo's children are out of school or he does not have children. Or he's just a Freddy cat. I'm sure he's a very learned man. I'm sure he's a very nice man. But he's a misguided man when it comes to this. What about cases of COVID in central Ohio mm. I don't get wrapped up in this on a daily basis but I do think it's news when they fall below 600 21 day case average 2,157 for hospitalization I don't remember what it was at the height of the thing because I never panicked I never worried about it I never let it rule my life I never let it run my life but those numbers are a lot lower than they used to be so maybe the CDC is reacting because the numbers are down mm. <laughs> Or I think, it's just me talking, true story, stop me if you've heard it, that this is because Joe Biden needs a victory lap. He needs something to take a bow for tomorrow night when he gives his State of the Union address. I think it's kind of tone deaf to give it tomorrow night because he won't give it honestly. You know he won't. He will talk about, oh, we have inflation, but, you know, if only we would spend more money. On my Build Back Better plan. While inflation would just poof. Go away. Just go away. Overnight it would go away. If we just spend another couple trillion dollars. On another couple Democratic wish list items. That would make it all go away. He will say that. Not like I did. But the general thrust of his comments will be that Build Back Better. Would fix problems. But those evil Republicans. They just won't let me spend more money. He will not mention at all the southern border. He will not mention at all, unless it's to say, I'm the one who got us out of Afghanistan. I tend to think they probably us to steer clear of that topic, but, you know, they're not very smart, so maybe he'll, again, tout the extraordinary success that whole debacle was, humiliation was, embarrassment was. Most definitely he will take a bow for COVID and the CDC just, man, if he doesn't fall asleep first, he will take a bow for COVID and the vaccines and this and that and the other, and he'll lie about that too, because the man can't open his mouth without lying, without telling you something that does not stand up to the light of inspection. It just does not. But the uh, CDC's new guidance uh, puts more than half of U.S. counties where more than 70% of Americans live in areas of low or medium risk. Sure. Because you can't talk about the southern border. You can't talk about international relations. You can't talk about economic issues. You can't talk about supply chain. There are so many things that Joe Biden cannot talk about without being honest. So he has to have something to tout. And we know for a fact that the teachers' unions led the CDC around by the nose on COVID. And so, why is it any surprise that the CDC would all of a sudden discover a new set of data in advance of the president's comments that says that COVID is going away? Now, I don't wish this because, you know, while I would love for Joe Biden to have approval ratings that plunge below the number a quarterback typically wears on the back of his jersey, which is in the teens, (laughs) I don't want another variant of COVID. I can tell you this if there is another variant, unless it is different than every other variant of every other disease ever, it will be less virulent than the last variant, which is Omicron, which was less virulent than Delta. But if we do have another variant and it's more contagious than Omicron but less lethal, you will not hear anything about it. Because right now we are in full sprint toward the midterms in November. And. I don't think it's a matter of if. I think it's a matter of when China moves on Taiwan. When we bow down to Iran to get them to pump more oil so that gas doesn't go to $5 a gallon. Because if it does, they're going to get crushed in November. The Democrats will. I just think that if They can't plead that COVID is gone, COVID is over, life is getting back to normal. They'll have nothing, literally nothing, to sell anyone but stupid people on that they're doing a good job. I mean, they already have their own people. They already have AOC. They already have, you know, the people who respond to everything Biden does to embolden Putin as, well, not Trump, not Trump. Would you dare console a widow in Ukraine, a child in Ukraine who lost their father fighting for his family and his country's freedom, would you dare be so callous to say, well, it was worth it because, you know, not Trump. See, that's really hard for me to swallow. The people who plead the whole not Trump card. Well, at least we don't have Trump. Yeah, we don't. We didn't have this situation in Europe when Trump was our president. And I've heard that position as, well, sure, you know, he and Putin were buddies and Putin wasn't going to do anything to upset Donald Trump. While that is a ludicrous position and not defendable by the actions that Trump took against Russia, even if it's true, would you not prefer no war in Ukraine to a war in Ukraine? I would. I bet the people of Ukraine would. Now, there's this weird dichotomy going on over there where, on one hand, Vladimir Putin puts his nuclear arsenal on high alert, and on the other, he has people sitting down today on the eastern border of Ukraine with people from Russia talking peace. Those two things aren't incompatible. Why is he doing that? A former CIA station chief will explain it next on The Bruce Hooley Show. We will speak with Josh Pick of After Wealth Management at 1230 today as we do every Money Monday to talk about Ukraine, its impact on your finances, far-reaching impact, and how you have to stay nimble on your feet because of the changing conditions out there. Joe Biden will address the nation tomorrow night, State of the Union address. Uh, I have no doubt he will blame rising American gas prices on Vladimir Putin. I have no doubt. But that will be, ah, we see rising gas prices because of Vladimir Putin. I'm sure of that. Uh, But we had rising gas prices uh, long before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. The Hill, writing about that today, and I mention this almost every show because we have an audience that transitions in, transitions out, and I want to make sure that everybody knows why you are paying higher prices at the pump The Hill writes, Russia has Europe over a barrel. Americans must understand that this is no accident. It's the result of European climate policies, just like those Democrats want to force on Americans. They want to substitute unreliable and costly renewable energy for oil and gas. It is the European continent's adoption of a Green New Deal-like agenda, banning fracking, subsidizing wind and solar, that has made Europe dependent on a hostile nation to power their economies. If we continue... Down a similar path, and we are, we could find ourselves back in the 1970s, overly reliant for oil on Saudi Arabia, as well as Russia and other hostile nations. In 1973, yes, I know, way before your time, kids, but not before mine, OPEC cut off oil exports to the U.S. Oil prices quadrupled, plunging the U.S. into recession. I heard a Democratic congressman yesterday from California on with Brett Baer. And Brett Baer said, you know, should we relax our prohibition against fracking on federal land and issue some new oil leases and dial back the push for electric vehicles because gas prices are out of control? And he goes, no, no, it's not the time for that. What we need to do is we need to get Europe to become more determined to rely on renewable energy. So this guy has $5 a gallon gas in California and he still won't relent on the Green New Deal crud. So Joe Biden caused this, our prices to skyrocket at a time when he spent unneedlessly. What what am I talking about? Needlessly terrible grammar on the, Build back better, or more accurately, break America forever, Bill. Jacking up inflation. Our energy policy has emboldened Putin because, oh, look at this. My oil, Dasvidanya, is worth $100 a barrel now, as opposed to $54 a barrel when Donald Trump left office. I have money to fund my war machine. Because Europe's still buying my oil, and America's still importing my oil. It is about energy. It is driven by energy. Now, Putin does have this goofy dichotomy going on, where he says, "I got all my troops on my my nuclear uh, arsenal on high alert," yet he's having peace talks with his people, and the Ukraine's on the border. Why? Explain that. Dan Hoffman, former CIA station chief, says. Uh, don't fall for it.
2: Vladimir Putin may never have served in the military himself. Remember, he was a KGB operative. And so uh, what comes most naturally to him is cloak and dagger espionage, disinformation, propaganda. I would say with a high level of confidence that these negotiations that are going to occur on the border of Ukraine and Belarus It's subterfuge. Uh, Vladimir Putin wants to raise the expectations, to the extent that he can, of ordinary Ukrainians who are in the fight, overmatched against uh, Russia's brutal assault on their country, Uh, and then only to to torpedo those, uh, those very same high expectations when the negotiations fall through. That's his effort to degrade the will uh, of Ukrainians to fight. He's trying to do it by raising Russia's uh, nuclear forces readiness to the elevated status. That's number two on their, on their uh, four level of four scale. Uh, but you know, there's no sign any of that's going to work. Uh, Ukrainians are committed to fighting, and their president is demonstrating extraordinary leadership at the most perilous time in their country's history.
1: He indeed is, and, of course, so is the mayor of Kiev, a guy you might have heard of before. His name is Vitaly Klitschko. He's a former heavyweight boxing champion of the world. He says now people in Kiev can't get out of the city. The city is surrounded. They have a curfew. Nobody goes out because anybody they see out, they are shooting because they assume they are a Russian saboteur. Already in Kiev, uh, nine civilians have been killed, including one child. Putin should be prosecuted as a war criminal. The thought is that Putin is um, desperate enough that he may use a thermobaric bomb, which can destroy up to a city block at a time. That would be incredibly devastating, and the optics of that would be horrible. But again, this guy does not care. His whole entire personal motivation is to go down in Russian history as the guy who reunited the Soviet Union. He is not accountable to his people. It's not like here where they face a midterm election that is, hmm, I got to be careful with my words here, as um, mm, uncertain as we are about our election integrity, there's not even the suggestion that there is any election integrity in Russia. So he's not accountable to his people the way American president or American elected officials are. And so he can go ahead. Putin's got, what, hundreds of millions of dollars? His oligarchs, they're the only people he's answerable to. I don't care if his people starve. They starved people before in Russia. Now, the Russian army, though, has not been in a battle like this since World War II. Like, well, Afghanistan, I guess. That's been a while. We have a military that, unfortunately, has been through it in the Middle East and all kinds of places over there. So our military, theoretically, would be more highly trained for this kind of on-the-ground combat. Russian troops. Here's the other thing with the Russian troops. You're not even sure if they want to be there. You're not sure if they're buying into what their leaders are telling them. One of the really... um, searing things I heard out of Ukraine is that Russian soldiers go, the people we're shooting look like us, right? I mean, there's, we're not sure what the motivation of the Russian soldiers are. They fight or they're guilty of treason, probably shot on sight, or they fight and they get shot by Ukrainians who are fighting for freedom. So they're taking losses. The Stinger missiles are working on the tanks. The Ukrainians are holding on as best they can, but they're severely outmatched. Severely outmatched. So we need to pray for the Ukrainian people. I'm, I'm struck by how this lands on my daughters when they see kids on TV talking about their parents, talking about their fathers, talking about the uncertainty of life over there. We really have it good here. I saw Ukrainian college kids making these huge bombs, huge Molotov cocktails. Meanwhile, here in our university, we're worried about whether we call kids by the right pronoun or not.